Good morning, everybody. This is so great that you all made it. You know what our title is today? Call to Rest. Don't you think that's ironic on the week that we lost an hour of sleep? I think it's kind of funny, but I love it. And I hope that what we gain from God's Word, from His Holy Spirit filling us, gives us an even better rest than an hour of lost sleep. So thank you all for being here today. Any birthdays in the house this week? Not in the house? Oh, back there? Yes, Brandon had a birthday. Happy birthday, Brandon. I'm glad you're here. Anybody else? In my house, we have a tradition on birthdays. And we had a birthday in our house this last week. My son, Elliot, turned 26. And we sit around the table at dinner time, and we say things that we appreciate and like about the birthday person. And we say as many things as their age. So Elliot turning 26, we had to say 26 things that we like about him. That's not hard. What's hard is when you get to my age. <laughs> so we changed the rules for my age. I won't tell you what the numbers are, but if I was Elliot, for example, we would add two and six together, 26, and that's how many things we say. So for me, it would be eight things. Anyway, so we were going around the table saying 26 things that we like about Elliot, what we appreciate about him, and it's such a nice time. You know, we all look forward to this for all of our birthdays. We look forward to this. So we're going around, we're saying, like, you're so smart. You're so organized. You get your work done on time. You're a great singer. You're a wonderful friend. And we're going around saying all of these things, giving little examples. Elliot's often feeding back in his droll humor way. And then Oliver, my younger son, said to Elliot, I really like it that you never had a flop era. And we kind of like looked and laughed and like, what's a flop era? And, and he said, you know what it's like? Like so often when you're growing up, one of the kids in the house, like you just can't stand being around them for a while. Don't look at anybody near you right now. <laughs> And so, you know, but he said, Elliot, you've never had a flop era, like where I was just like, oh, I wish you wasn't my brother. And that was a really nice thing, that it turned out to be a compliment, this flop era. So a flop is when you're not rising, but you're kind of like down. And an era means it's going on for a long time. And Elliot was sitting by me at the table when Oliver said that. You know, actually, I think what Oliver says means more to him than what anybody else at the table says, because that's his peer, and that's his friend, that's his brother. And I think he felt great relief to know that Oliver didn't think he had been through a flop era in their years together. Because I know in Elliot's heart, he thinks he's had many flop eras. And so to know that that's not how he's seen, but he's seen through the eyes of grace, he had a big smile on his face. Now, some of you might feel like you're going through a flop era in your life. Or maybe you know people that are. And you're like, wow, I'm discouraged. I feel alone. I feel like I'm never going to get out of this. And that's what scripture comes to teach us. What to do when you're in a flop era of your life. That's what our passage is about today. Jeremiah is writing to people who are in a long flop era. 
They have been going through terrible times, mostly because of their own choosing. And we're going to explore what are some of the characteristics that characterize people that are going through this. What are they like? And you can maybe think about when your child was that age going through that. You can think about their characteristics and you'll probably resonate with how God felt towards his people who were going through this flop era. And then we're going to see what can you do to step out of it? What can you do to move forward? And how can you find the support that you need to say, hey, an era had a limit, and I moved out of it. Is that a good thing? Let's look at that today. So you have some notes, and I want to start by telling you about two other boys. I told you about Elliot and Oliver, my two sons. But about 650 years before Jesus was born, a long time ago, 650 years before Jesus was born, two other boys were born whose names also began with J. Who were they? Anybody know? First one was a king. Tell me who that was. King Josiah. Very good. Okay, so you can write that down in your paper. King Josiah was born. And then another boy was born, and his name began with J, and he was a prophet. He grew up to be a prophet. Who was that? Jeremiah. Very good. I can tell you guys have been coming to church. Very nice to know it. Keep coming, because this is how we layer our knowledge and how we grow in scripture. So those two boys were born into an era that was not an easy one. And I'll tell you why. In fact, we'll read it in our scripture, why it was not an easy era. People were really doing their own thing. Now, if you have one person in a house who's doing that, it's one thing. If you have an entire nation who's doing that, it's another thing. So let us read our scripture. We're reading from Jeremiah chapter 6. So if you have your Bible or if you want to use the Bible in the bench in front of you, you're very welcome to do that. It's also going to go up on the screen. Jeremiah 6, beginning at verse 13, and we'll read to verse 22. The Lord says, From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall down among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear, you nations, you who are witnesses. Observe what will happen to them. Hear, you earth. I am bringing disaster on this people, 
the fruit of their schemes because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. What do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will put obstacles before this people. Parents and children alike will stumble over them. Neighbors and friends will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's go back to the beginning, to the first slide, if you don't mind, Bob, slide two. And we'll look at some of the characteristics of the flop era. So from the least to the greatest, all are greedy, right? Greedy for gain. So greediness is, is often um, a characteristic of when you're in a low flop era, whether you're three years old, 30 years old, or if you're a whole nation. You're only thinking about yourself and you want stuff for yourself and you're not interested in others. So that's one of your words there. They are prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. So there's a sneakiness, there's a hiddenness, there's not showing the whole truth. I see serious faces because I know we all relate. And we all go through these things. And God says, come to me and let my light shine upon you. But they would not. And then they dress the wound of my people, the wound. This is something that needs healing. But they pretend it doesn't really matter. They pretend it's not really serious. So they dress the wound. They just put a Band-Aid over it and say, you'll be fine. You're okay. And they don't deal with the root problem. And they say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Do you have peace in your soul, or are you restless? I was thinking about it because often, you know, somebody will ask you, how are you? And what would we normally say? Like, I'm busy. What else might we say? Fine. Yes. Would we normally say, I'm really restful? Is that a normal thing to say? No, because we don't normally feel that way. We don't really feel, I'm restful. And you? That would be so nice, like, hey, let's hang out together. We don't have rest in our souls. And what God wants to bring us into, from all of our greediness and our deceitfulness and our fake superficiality, I think that's one of the words there, yes, superficiality, getting rid of all of that and giving us a very deep, rest in our souls. We'll go on to the next slide as we keep looking at um, characteristics of the flop era. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? So they're be it's being pointed out to them. This is all that Jeremiah is doing. You need to turn around. This is not, you're not doing the right thing. Turn around. And they're not doing it. They have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. Now, most of us hate it when we blush because it shows that we're ashamed. 
but guys, it's a good sign. If you blush when you're ashamed, it's actually a good sign because it shows you have a conscience. And, wow, this thing is really not working for me. I think it's completely falling off. Okay, there we go. I'm getting it. My ears are not big enough, I think. I'm still growing, you see. This is how it happens. I'm still growing. One day, I will fill this space. So, um, so if we blush, it's a good thing. It shows that we have shame. Now, shame is not a space you want to live in. But shame is a thing that helps you to acknowledge something's wrong so that then you can deal with it. So if shame comes to your mind, say thank you. I'm grateful I feel like this. And then deal with it. Don't go and hide it. That's what they would do. They didn't even know how to blush anymore because they gave up on being ashamed. They would cover their shame. And so God says, so they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them. Everything has a consequence. And if you live in a superficial, greedy, grasping way that covers up everything that's wrong, you're not going to be able to last very long that way. And God says, you will fall. So what do we do about that? Let's keep going. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Beautiful verse, isn't it? That's because I didn't read the last line. But you said we will not walk in it. So let's jump ahead to the next verse and see what happened. God said, I appointed watchmen over you. People came. The trumpet sounded in every single way I possibly could. I tried to correct you, just like a parent might correct a child. But they would not listen. And so he said, all the nations around, you are witnesses. Watch what's going to happen to that person, to those people. I am bringing disaster on these people, on the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words. And he goes on to say, at the end of the verse, he says, I am going to put obstacles in your way so that you stumble over them. You see, here's the truth. When we go through a flop era, God doesn't let go of us. If you have a child who's going through a terrible patch in their life, you don't let go of them, but you put up blocks around them to try to protect them, to try to keep them going the right way. You give them timeouts. Maybe the exile was like a long timeout. If you think about it that way, you realize it was a time of love from the Father for these people so that he could bring them back to himself. You know, there are stories of brothers throughout Scripture. You know the story of Cain and Abel, of course. You know the story of Jacob and Esau. Do you remember that story? Jacob and Esau, twin brothers, were always grasping, always greedy for who was going to be the best. And finally, Jacob really was deceitful, right? We look at these characteristics. He was greedy. He was deceitful. He was superficial. He pretended all was well. And then he stole his brother's birthright. And he couldn't live in the same house as his brother. 
It was a terrible flop era in their home. And Jacob was a man, and eventually his parents said, you need to move on. You need to move out. You do have the blessing. God will bring you back. But there's, there's not enough space for everybody here. So Jacob left his house, and he went off on a journey. And as he was on his journey, long road, by himself. Remember, Jacob was the homebody of those brothers. He's not used to being out in the middle of nowhere by himself. And it became dark, and he fell asleep, and he lay down. Well, actually, he came to a place where there was a well, and he stopped by that well and thought, this looks like a good spot. Did he know or did he not know that that well had been built by his grandfather, Abraham. That this was a place that Abraham had given thanks and dedicated to God. It was a place with a story in his family. Jacob was tired. He found a rock. He lay down. He went to sleep. He was not in a good spot in his own mind in his own soul. He didn't know which way to go. And so he stayed still. And what happened to Jacob that night as he slept? Who knows? He had a dream. And in his dream, what did he see? Say it again. Ah, different time. In this dream, he saw a ladder ascending between heaven and earth, and angels going up and down this ladder. And Jacob realized, I thought it was all over. I thought I'd been kicked out of my house. I thought that I was in the middle of this desolate place and nobody was with me. But look, God is here. God is intersecting my path. And I'm not alone. And I don't just have to choose to go that way or this way. There is another axis in play, and God is here. And he named the place Bethel, meaning the house of God. That experience shaped the rest of Jacob's life, because he knew then that although he had been who he was, he was now called and chosen by God, and he could move forward. If you've been in a time of deceit and greediness and superficiality and stuckness, you don't have to stay there. God says, you have a choice. So let's look at our choice, and we'll go to that slide that says, this is what the Lord says. It's slide number four, Bob. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. That's what Jacob was doing there. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. It's an utter promise. There's no you might. You will find rest for your souls. So we want to know how to get this. And so we're going to look at the steps that we need to take in order to get rest for our souls. So we go to slide seven now. And I called it, how to have the best rest of your life. Do you like my pun? The best rest, like this, and the rest of your life. Uh, you know, it's really bad when you have to point out your pun. 
you probably got it, but like I was insecure. So this is how to have the best rest of your life. Number one, stand. How often do we simply stand? Not often. Or even sit in one spot without worrying, without fretting, without looking elsewhere, without doing other stuff. We're usually on the go, we're on the move, we're avoiding, we're distracting. God says stand. So right now, put your shoulders back, align your spine, take a breath. When you stand and you're still, you become aware of where you are. You realize I'm not nowhere. I'm now here. Same letters, but a slight difference. Often we feel like I'm just nowhere. We're busy and we're going from somewhere to somewhere else and right now we're nowhere. But I am now here. So we stand. That's our first step if we want to find rest. And we need to stay in that place as long as it takes. When we were having this dinner for Elliot, I said to him, when it was my turn, one of the things I said to him was, Elliot, one of the things I like about you is your authenticity. Because when you finished university, you weren't sure what came next. And so you could have just jumped into a master's program. You could have just gone and got a job, but you were not in that headspace. So you took your time. He kind of looked at me. He's like, were you thinking I should have got a job right away? You know, for, make some money. And I said, no, I mean it. I think it's great that you took your time. You were still. And then when you knew what came next, you went and did that thing. So he went and got a job at JJB after that, which was great, down in Yale Town, taking his time, processing things. And then after doing that for a while, he thought to himself, okay, I could be making cups of coffee for other people for the rest of my life. Like, I like doing it, but I don't really want to have to do the very same thing every day without feeling like I'm making progress. And so he's back at university now, so I'm very grateful. This semester, it was time, and he said, I think I'm going to apply for Regent College. And he did, he got in, he loves it. But it wouldn't have happened if he didn't stay still first, if he didn't take his time figure out who he was and what he needed at that point. So stand is the first one. The second one is to look. Now when we stand, if you're standing at a bus stop, what are you looking at? Please just show me with an action. Most people, yes, that's it, exactly. Most people standing at a bus stop or standing in a grocery line, you're looking at your phone, you're doing something. So you're not looking out, you're looking down here, you're being distracted, you're not now here. When you stand, look. So when God calls you to a still place, look and see what he has to show you when you're at the crossroads of your life and you need to make a decision. Look. What is out there? And he will show you amazing things. Sometime this week as part of your Lenten practice, make it a point of not having any distractions and just looking. Maybe you'll go for a walk. Maybe you'll just sit in a quiet place. Maybe you'll just stand and look. 
And as you look, God will bring things to your mind that you didn't know you needed to know. But he will show you truth and righteousness and freedom that will lead you to rest. And then as you look, as those things come to your mind, you need to ask. What do you need to ask for? You need to ask for the ancient paths. Not the ones that just come and go so fast here. That wear your mind out. That get you in ruts. But the ancient paths. And how do we find out what the ancient paths are? We often find them through scripture. We find the ways that God has worked in the world. And we realize, okay, what I'm going through is not uncommon. And what I'm going through is for a short time. And what I'm going through still has the hand of God upon it. So you ask for the ancient paths. If you only look at the current paths, you will think you're behind. There's no doubt about it. You'll think you're missing out. And that's what makes you greedy. And that's what makes you deceitful. So don't. Look for the ancient paths. And then you ask again. What do you ask for? You ask for the good way. So there are paths to walk on. And then we ask for the good way. Lord, make my way good. Help it to go smoothly. I'll tell you one more story about Elliot. I decided this would be an Elliot morning because it's his birthday week. Why not? When Elliot was in one of his flop eras in his own mind, not in his brother's mind, but in his own mind, he was not going to church, and he was low in his spirit. And one Sunday night, we were sitting by the fire in our living room, and, um, and I said, Elliot, why don't you sing for us? Because he's got a gorgeous voice. We love him singing. And Elliot likes all the old rock music. He loves Bob Dylan. He, you know, he likes the Velvet Underground. Anybody here know the Velvet Underground? You do. I did not know the Velvet Underground, but they, like, they were very influential in rock music. So Elliot got his guitar, and he could have played any song in the world, but this is the song he chose. Now, it was by a rock band. That's the only reason he would sing it. It was by the Velvet Underground, and it goes like this. They write about all kinds of stuff, but this song says, Jesus, help me find my proper place. Jesus, help me find my proper place. Help me in my weakness, because I'm falling out of grace. Jesus, Jesus. I loved it that he sang that song. It was amazing that that's what came to his heart. Thank God for the Velvet Underground writing that song. You know what happened after that? That was the season of Lent a few years ago. After that, he was riding the bus going to class, and he passed a church. And he thought, huh, that looks like a nice church. Maybe I'll try it. It was getting close to Easter, so he thought, I'll go at Easter. Elliot went to church that Easter more than I went to church at Easter. He went Thursday night. He went Friday for Good Friday. He went on Saturday because they had a Saturday vigil where you stay up all night and welcome Easter Sunday morning in. He went Easter Sunday morning. And I thought back and I was like, wow. He sang the prayer. Jesus, help me find my proper place. And he started going to that church and that became his church. And Jesus helped him find his proper place. 
the good way. Ask for the good way, and he will take you there. And then what's the end of that? You will find rest for your soul. The thing you were longing for will come to you. There is no doubt about it. So I invite you, if you want rest, do those things. Stand, look, ask and ask again. I think we have a couple more slides to go through there. And then, oh, and then walk. So once you see the path to go on, you walk in it. You have to get up and do something. You don't just say, thank you, Lord, for showing me the way. You get on your feet and you take action. Elliot went to church. You've got to walk down the path that he shows you. Now, that might mean that you're walking away from something. You can do that one step at a time. You can do that. And you're not walking alone. Remember that as well. And so then as you walk, you're walking away from something. You're walking to something. You're walking away from distraction. You're walking to delight. You're walking to what your soul desires. And rest will come to you. There was one person who said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So when you see the way to go, you will see another person whose name begins with J, and that is Jesus. And he says, come to me. There's a choice, though. Let's go back to the very beginning of the story of the people of Israel coming into the land. They were led by a man whose name started with J. Anybody know what it was? Not Jeremy, by the way. Jeremy, you're like such a godly name. Amazing. <laughs> Who was it that led them into the promised land? Joshua, exactly. Now, when they were going into the land, they had to make a choice. And Joshua said, choose this day who you will serve. Will you serve the gods on the other side, or will you serve the Lord? And Joshua said, you choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he made that commitment. If that's you a fist pump. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That verse helped me a lot. When I was in a relationship with somebody that was not serving the Lord, I thought, that's okay. I can love Jesus. And then I realized, no, no. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that is the good way. So ask God to bring your relationships into alignment with himself. Ask God to give you his rest. And the way it happens is through his son. We know about Jeremiah weeping for the people, asking God to help them to turn, to be healed. And they would not. And they went into exile and Jeremiah with them. But there's no road of no return. Did you know that? There's no road of no return. And at the end of the exile, 
God brought them back. You might be way down some road, but there is a return. And you don't walk alone. Because Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And he stretches out his arm. And he says, I'll go with you. Come with me. And I'll give you rest even as you walk. There's room for all of us as we join Jesus on this path. The way that we celebrate that is also with a meal. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We've been talking about celebration and meals. And the last thing that Jesus did with his disciples was to say, let's eat together. Let's have a meal of celebration together. And he said, do this as long as you do it in remembrance of me. And so that's why we still have a communion meal, a celebration of the life, of the salvation, of the hope that Jesus gives to us. And once a month, we come to the table of communion with joy, with gladness, as family coming around the table. We celebrate Jesus. I want every person here to think of one thing you like about Jesus. Only one for now. You can do many. Jesus is eternal. The number is infinite. Isn't that wonderful? But think of one thing and tell him. Do a sound of praise in your soul. You can say it out loud. You can just say it quietly. You might be in a dark place, but maybe you can find one thing you love about Jesus. Just do that right now. Jesus, we love you for your tenderness. We love you for your grace. We love you for your strength, your forgiveness. We love you for your humor. We love you for your attentiveness. We love you for giving us your word. And we just want to praise you and say you are awesome. We gather at this table with great joy, thanking you. Thank you, Lord, that you take our burdens, our deceit, our greed, our superficiality, and you go deep with us, and you make us new. So we trust you to do that, and we step forward in praise of you. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks. And here's a loaf of bread that I'm going to hold up to show you. This is a celebration meal that Jesus set up for his family to do for all time. Because people come together around a meal, right? It's a beautiful way to come together. And so musicians, I'll invite you to come up if you'd like to come up. Um, and so Jesus said, took the bread, and he's, I'm sure he knew they would miss him. I know he knew 
what was going to happen next, that he was going to hang on the cross, suffer. He would bleed. But he wanted to give them something concrete to remember. And he said, this is my body given for you. Eat this, all of you in remembrance of me. And as we say, Jesus, we come to you for rest. Wow, that's a tough loaf to break. There we go. As we come to Jesus for rest, we invite you to come forward. We'll have three stations, and the server will break off a piece of bread and give it to you. And then they will say, the body of Christ given for you. If you receive the life and grace of Christ, take that. And then the next person will hold the cup and they will say, the blood of Christ poured out for you. And if you receive his life, giving life into you, dip the bread into the cup and then you can eat that. All are welcome. When you sit around a family table, none, nobody is perfect. You might even be in a flop episode but let's not make it a flop era. Let's turn it around and come back to him. If you would like to just come forward for a blessing, you are welcome to do that. Put your hands like this over your chest, and the server will bless you and not offer you the bread and the cup. And you are welcome in that way as well. Our communion cloth here, do you like it? Isn't it beautiful? It reminds us that we are not alone as a small church here. We are part of an enormous mission of God on earth, and this represents our missionaries who are in Zambia. Isn't that beautiful? So we connect with them, and there's a mission group going out this fall, this summer too, so we pray for them. So here we are, ready to receive, ready to celebrate, ready to give thanks for Jesus, who through taking our greed, our deceit, our brokenness into himself and dying with it. Rose again and gives us his pure life and says, receive me. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. After supper, in like manner, he took the cup and he gave it to them all, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. There's a new way, everybody. Drink, eat, and walk in that way to the glory of God. This middle station has gluten-free, so if that's what you need, come here. God bless you as you come. Servers, would you come forward and take up your stations on the front here? And then everybody, if you can walk forward, come forward. If you can't, we will come to you. So don't worry about that. Are there stations upstairs as well on either side? So you're welcome to go upstairs. May God grant us the grace of his presence, the goodness of his Holy Spirit, and the life that the Father wants to bestow upon us as we eat and drink in Christ's name. Amen.